What's up, gamers? I'm Noah Hertz. And I'm Nathaniel Wilson. And welcome to Press Start. The podcast for people who hate Chris Pratt and love Mario. Mushroom Kingdom, here we go. <laughs> you want to just lead with that and get that out of our system? I feel like I feel like everybody who, who has any kind of outlet to talk about video game stuff is just going to be talking about the Mario movie. You want to, you want to just As lead with that? As they should be. Yeah, let's let's just start off with that. Uh, what's what's going on with this new Mario movie? So before this trailer came out, like I wasn't hyped for this movie at all. Really, I don't really, I didn't care about it. I think it's cool that Illumination is doing it. Yeah, because I thought like the last Minions movie was really good and funny, and so I think like it also looks good. Like I I like the Illumination um animation style i think it looks really good yeah i totally agree with you i think it catches a lot of shit but like i genuinely like how like uh like i don't think it's my favorite i really like more of the the like old cartoon inspired like have you ever watched any of those fucking um the hotel transylvania movies Mm -hmm. the movies are not good but the animation is gorgeous it's got that like old cartoon themed and kind of styled animation i think i prefer that but i like genuinely do like the animation style mm-hmm. style and illumination and i i might be talking out my ass here but like i've i've heard that illumination studios anecdotally is like not super shitty to its animation staff which like i genuinely hope is true so yeah f- fingers crossed that they don't like ground the people who make the minions into a fine paste Mm-hmm. So, like, before this came out today, I guess I was getting, like, a little hype because I knew we were going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this morning when I was at work at, like, 6 a.m., I was looking at YouTube videos of people, like, doing analysis before the trailer came out because I was <laughs> yes. like, these will be crazy, right? And so I watched this one video where they were, like, have you seen a thing where the person who works at McDonald's yeah. leaked yeah. the picture of what Mario looks like? The Australian yeah. McDonald's employee who was like, I work at Maka's, LMAO, and everybody yeah. was like, what the fuck is Maka's? <laughs> it's just apparently Australian slang for McDonald's. Yeah, and so this video was like really analyzing, right? They were like, Mario looks the same, except his eyes are a little more circular, <laughs> and the hair texture is the finest we've ever seen, mm-hmm. and his mouth is a little wider, and I'm like, this is crazy. This is exactly what I want, right? That's also like my favorite genre of YouTube video, the kind of YouTube video that in 24 hours is going to be completely fucking useless. Like they do, people put those kinds of things out before Nintendo Directs or like the PlayStation State of Plays too, where they'll be like, time to predict the Nintendo Direct. But there's usually only like a 48 hour window max between when they announce those presentations and when they happen. So it's Mm -hmm. just like every YouTuber and their brother trying to leap on like, this 24 hour period where people are going to watch these things because nobody's going to watch this after the fact and they're just like fucking useless after the fact it's just so funny to me that this style of video exists yeah so like before we even talk about the trailer the two things to me that stood out the most is like i love in the nintendo directs when like the english translator from miyamoto is putting San at the end of English, like American mm-hmm. names, I think yeah. is so funny every time. Yeah. And so they're like, we're going to go over to the whoever, the creative director of Illumination or whoever it is. And he's like, we're going to go over to my friend at Illumination, Chris San. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, like, he talks to Chris Pratt and Jack Black later, and he's like, thank you, Chris-san. Thank you, Jack-san. I, I really love that, because it's like, I feel like, uh, like, if the 90s Mario, if there had been a Nintendo Direct announcement for the 1990s Mario movie, they would have gone through, like, painstaking trouble to erase any degree of Japanese-ness or Asian-ness mm-hmm. from the production. But there's something really earnest about, like, the English translator keeping the honorifics, even though, like, it functionally just translates, like, it's not an exact translation, but it would be the equivalent of saying, like, Mr. So-and-so, that kind of yeah. thing. I think, that's, I think that's cool. It's hella earnest, which yeah. I think is cool and nice. The other thing that stood out to me was after the trailer, when they go back to Miyamoto, and he's like, this is going to be such a great movie to watch in theaters and everyone mm-hmm. is going to go see this in theaters and you're going to get to see it on the big screen and everybody go to the theater and watch this movie. And it's like, it's always really funny to me in like the post COVID world, seeing like who are the real grinders for movie theaters and who are mm-hmm. the people who like don't really care. And it's interesting. Cause like Disney, right. Has yeah. totally moved to this model where they're just like, we're actually just going to put our movies on Disney Plus for thirty dollars, and yeah. like that's cool. And then like when the new Top Gun came out, and people are talking about like the Nicole Kidman trailer, and people are talking about how like Top Gun Two is an allegory for Tom Cruise being like, I'm the only person who makes movies for the theater anymore. Mm-hmm. And so like it's always as. As someone who loves the movie theater and mm-hmm. like has a weird relationship with movie theater now post COVID, where like it's something I used to do all the time before Same. COVID, and now it's something that I'm like much more hesitant to do, but still like I'll I'll go to a matinee like two months after a movie came out, and, yeah, because like I love the movie theater, but I always think it's interesting to see like which corporations are kind of turning their back on that model and which ones are kind of like really riding for it. And it seemed like Nintendo is really intent on making a lot of money in the box office. Did you ever see Top Gun in the theaters when it came out? Okay, I I didn't either. I did hear though that, I don't know if this was all showings or this was just like the first run or maybe just at AMC theaters, but my understanding is that some showings if not all included this like preface that was tom cruise sitting in a chair like thank you for coming to the movie thank you for coming to the movie theaters and keeping this industry alive we need people like you to save the film industry and this kind of thing and it's like i get it like i get Mm -hmm. it and i i'm somebody who also really loves movie theaters i i used to fucking go nuts going see movies in the theaters um i have not seen a movie in a theater since the pandemic broke out which is like wow yeah i like there have been a couple of times where i've been i've been like okay i'm gonna go see this movie in theaters and like either because of scheduling or something else that just didn't work out or like a new variant like i was gonna go see the green knight when that came out and then like the delta wave started like a week before it came out and i was like maybe i'm gonna not go see mm-hmm. it don't don't fact check me on the date there because that might be totally wrong but i remember like locally there was a big spike in my area and i was like i'm gonna not go see this actually so it, it is very funny to me that it's like obviously individual consumers can help keep movie theaters alive but also one of the main things killing smaller movie theaters is like disney forcing theaters to give them more revenue and play their movie like forcing theaters to play doctor strange 2 on every fucking room in the house and then only give them like a paltry chunk of how much it makes whereas like a24 is begging them to put like 
I don't know, what was that movie with like the little tiny seashell? Like Marcel the Shell. There we go. They're like, please put Marcel the Shell on a screen. And they're like, sorry, it's all Doctor Strange this week. (laughs) I don't know how many movies I've seen, but it's like something I've returned to more often. But it's Mm -hmm. more of like when there's a moment. Like I just saw Don't Worry, Darling, Mm -hmm. just because like there's been so (sighs) many memes. It was the longest two hours of my life is how I'm describing it to people. It's not good. Harry Styles was not good in it. Uh, before we move on from this entirely, I just desperately need to share uh, one of my best friends. The last movie, he also has not been to a movie theater since the pandemic started. And the last movie he saw in the theaters is Cats 2019, a group Damn. of me, him, and some of our other friends went to go see it. And he has repeatedly joked with me that he can't ever go to a movie theater ever again because it'd be way funnier to say that the last movie he ever saw in the theaters was Cats 2019. That's so real. <laughs> That's real Swifty behavior. <laughs> Did you have any notes on the actual trailer? On the Mario movie trailer? Yeah. No. I think it looks yeah. fine. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I think it is incredibly amusing that the internet and apparently an entire hall of people in New York City Comic Con lost their collective minds in the lead up to this. And then the trailer was just like an animated movie that looks good. So yeah. I don't know. It looks fine. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Chris Pratt's much, much hyped Mario voice? Okay. Like, I hate Chris Pratt. <laughs> like, I don't even care if, like, 60% of the rumors about him are untrue. I just dislike yeah. him on principle. I, he just irritates me. No, for real. When all that stuff was happening and Twitter was coming for Chris Pratt and, like, Mark Ruffalo felt oh the need God. to come out on Twitter and be like, People should be allowed to think separate things. And it's like, since Don't Worry Darling has come out and that video of Olivia Wilde and Michael Moore and Mark Ruffalo has resurfaced. Yes. And it's just like, celebrities are the last people I want to listen to on politics. Mm. Yeah. I hate them. But like, especially people like Chris Pratt, who like followed Jordan Peterson on Twitter. I just, and so with his Mario voice, it sounds like he's gonna go for it a little bit which i respect i guess um it's better than to not go for it yeah another movie i just saw since we're talking about movies Mm -hmm. netflix released that marilyn monroe movie yeah the one with the talking fetus right yes with anna de armas as marilyn monroe and she does not try to do an accent so she you can hear that she's (laughs) cuban right and so there will be these scenes where like we're in an old timey movie in the 50s and so everyone talks in that breathy 50s voice yeah and then anna de armas just sounds like a cuban lady from south florida sometimes that's awesome just, yeah. i fucking love that actually yeah so i don't know it's cool to go for it it's fine to not chris pratt is going for it a little bit it'll be fine it'll be whatever my thought i uh i said this to you before we started recording but it kind of sounds like chris pratt is doing Danny DeVito doing Mario, which kind of makes me think that they should have just cut out the middleman and hired Danny DeVito to play Mario, because then they could have had Danny DeVito as Mario and Charlie Day as Luigi, and that would have been really funny, if nothing else. Yeah, because when I think of the idea of having Chris Pratt be your lead in the movie, I get that, like, in a way, you're going for a larger base, like you're going for America. Mm -hmm. But if Danny DeVito is your lead, 
and you're just like completely in the idea of let's go for the internet as our mm-hmm. base. I yes. think that's awesome and funny. And I think that can work. Yeah. I just think overall, I think it's good to just expect this movie to be fine. I think mm-hmm. I've seen a weird, all of a sudden in the last few days, contingent of people on Twitter, like this is going to be the best video game movie ever, or this is going to be absolute dog shit because Illumination is involved. And it's like, I saw a tweet that was like, realistically, this is probably going to be like Detective Pikachu quality of a movie. And Detective Pikachu was good. It was cute. This might even be better because they don't have to do like the weird kind of uncanny valley of like the fluffy Pikachu interacting with the human boy. Like, it's just going to be a cute animated movie. So mm-hmm. I think it I think it looks cute. I like that the trailer had cute little penguin guys in it. I'm all for mm-hmm. it. I think that's the extent of my thoughts on the new Mario movie. <laughs> yeah. Now for some slightly less good news. Uh in in a in a fun twist of fate, it looks like the company Fandom, these are the guys that run every like janky fandom wiki that exists on the internet have purchased up like just about all of the old video game websites so in one fell swoop they purchased GameSpot, metacritic giant bomb and a couple others and like GameSpot also owns game facts so pretty much a bunch of these big old video game websites that still function kind of as like repositories for walkthroughs or for other stuff like that are now going to be under the fandom umbrella. And this could mean a number of things. I, I heard this was mentioned on the latest episode of uh, Waypoint Radio, and one of the hosts on there knows some of the people who currently work at Giant Bomb. And he mentioned that nobody was fired in the process of this buyout, which is pretty much about like the bottom of the barrel that you could expect from this kind of thing. But it is nice that nobody got fired. I think the biggest concern that I've seen from people online is that like you've you've seen one of these wiki pages, right? Like like a Wikipedia or mm-hmm. like a I, I don't know, like Activision Blizzard wiki or that kind of thing. Like it is just crammed full with ads. So much so that it's like you're constantly having to close shit to read text. Like it's very difficult on mobile because you're clicking ads instead of clicking the X's. And it does kind of like turn my stomach to think that these old websites, that they're not producing anything new with them. They're just going to load them up with ads and then make ridiculous amounts of money from ad revenue. But I don't know. Where, where are you at with this? You have an opinion on it? It kind of reminds me of the thing that we see happening where like these small companies are buying Twitters of like now defunct companies. Have you heard about this? No, I have not heard about this. There's like this thing that I've seen. It happens on the internet. Where you, do you ever see on Twitter like a tweet from an a, an old brand that you haven't heard anything about in a few years will go really viral because okay. it'll say like the fuck in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it'll be like not like Little Caesars, right? Because they still exist. True. But like the equivalent of like the Little Caesars. Twitter disappearing for three years and then coming back and being like, I, I need to get my dick wet on Twitter. And it gets like 300,000 likes. And it's like a thing where these companies will buy old Twitters and then take the followers and tweet crazy shit to get more followers to make That's money super off of it. Weird. That's super, super it, weird. It is so weird. And I guess it makes sense that at some point, like these companies 
die or are sold or move on in whatever way. And it's just the idea that some bigger company can just swallow them all up and keep the name and put out whatever they want and like Mm -hmm. run it for ads or start putting out completely different content or like not in this case you mentioned, but like fire everyone who's working on it. It's just kind of like weird. It's weird in like a misinformation sense. Mm -hmm. It's weird in, I don't know, just a whole bunch of ways where it's tough to know at times on the internet sources that maybe even at one point you might have trusted it's like can i still trust this yeah yeah it's really frustrating because it's like it's one these are well i can't really say that one thing is worse than the other but like there's one version of this where like uh the recent firings that happened at fanbite like the entire staff of this very progressive very cool very like queer and POC led video game and culture magazine online gets totally laid off. They keep like a skeleton crew on staff and rather than shut down the website, it's still producing stuff and a lot of it's still producing interviews. It's still producing guides like it's new shit. But what they did is functionally just lay off the majority of the staff because they the the people who own it i i know there's a couple intermediaries in between but like 10 cent is at the top like this mm-hmm. huge fucking company they were they were able to do the calculus that they were if they could just produce like the bare bones stuff they could still make enough money to keep it overhead mm-hmm. this on the other hand is like most of these sites don't really have much of like an editorial team you know like i think gamespot might still produce some in like original content giant bomb still is producing some really interesting content like on twitch and on video and podcasts and then they also have like this repository of written content i think especially about like game facts and this is like part of the whole model this company has where it's like i don't know one example is like the fire emblem wiki like i've been playing fire emblem awakening on my 3ds and sometimes i want to look up like information about one particular level and so the the first thing that comes up in the Google search result is the Fire Emblem fandom wikia. And so you'll go to this page and it is 100% user generated content, but it's covered in ads. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that it's like, this company is doing functionally nothing other than just like giving them the privilege of hosting it and then mm-hmm. having a big enough name behind it that it's at the top of the Google search results. So it's like when I go to look up walkthroughs for 20 plus year old games on GameFAQs because i know that the user created ones back then are going to be like fun and good it's going to have ads on it that are going to be mm-hmm. making just because somebody swooped in so it just feels yucky i mean i don't know if it's like it's evil it's definitely not like the worst thing in the world it's not it's probably not even the worst thing we're going to talk about on this episode but it's it's definitely yucky do you want to talk about something that is distinctly yuckier than uh yeah. than this um So what's going on over at Activision? So the Washington Post put out this article, I think, three days ago that they had kind of found that the National Labor Relations Board did Mm -hmm. an investigation and found that Activision Blizzard withheld raises from quality assurance testers at Raven Software. Okay, yeah. That's one of the groups that was unionizing, too. So that's, like, especially illegal. (laughs) 
Yes, but not only did they just withhold raises from people that were taking part in union activity, they literally attributed not giving raises to people because of union activity. <laughs> like, they did not hide it. It doesn't seem like it was swept that far under the rug. They need better lawyers or something. That's Honestly. <laughs> How long until uh, they're going to introduce a hero into the new Overwatch who's like a Pinkerton agent or something? <laughs> There's going to be, it's going to be like picket line crosser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is just like the latest saga in Activision Blizzard being investigated by the NLRB. I think we initially talked about this when some of the unionization was going down and it was it was like in talks that the NLRB was going to investigate anti-union activity. And it's like not surprising at all, especially since like Ravensoft is kind of on the front lines of being some of the first people to unionize in this industry. Mm -hmm. But it's also like from a company that has a reputation of being like cartoonishly evil at the top, it is just wild to me that they can still do stuff this fucking stupid in such a prominent light you know like mm -hmm. you would think they would have learned something by now i guess it just kind of makes you wonder like what else they've done throughout their history yeah like before this stuff was being like really dug into by journalists yeah well i've got a good one uh i saw this just a few days ago actually from kotaku this headline caught my eye it's bush era torture apologist steps down from call of duty publisher and, like, it's no secret that a lot of the people who sit on the boards of these companies, like, have nothing to do with video games. It's like, mm -hmm. it, they, don't, they don't give a shit. Like, uh, trying to think, I don't remember what the guy's name was, but I know, like, one of the people who sits on the, on the executive board or used to sit on the executive board of, like, Warner Brothers or one of those big companies was in the Trump administration at one point. And I remember it was when the first Suicide Squad movie came out. And I kept seeing these tweets that were, like, uh people close to president trump are benefiting directly from people seeing suicide squad that was like yeah that that sounds about right um this article though is about this person who used to be the chief compliance officer at activision they very very recently stepped down but they say that they're still going to advise uh much embattled ceo bobby kotick who is like just widely understood to be an absolute shithead and mm -hmm. the the lead of this article reads in a past life, Francis Townsend defended the legal basis for the torture method called waterboarding during George W. Bush's War on Terror. In a more recent one, she helped lead Activision Blizzard's initially tone-deaf response to a major sexual harassment lawsuit by the state of California. Classic. So we got the, uh, we got torture is okay as a direct line to maybe Bobby Kotick is not so bad for fostering a workplace in which, you know... People, women are so scared to come forward. One woman killed herself because of sexual harassment. I think it's like really interesting for this to come out like right when Overwatch 2 yeah. is released. And like we'll talk more about Overwatch 2 yeah. later. A game that, let me say, uh, like you said, we'll talk more about it later. A game I'm having lots of fun with but also feel distinctly gross every time I boot it up and the Blizzard logo comes up. And I'm like, at least I'm not giving him any money. You know, at least it's free to play. 
I mean, I'm probably still benefiting the company somehow by like being one other individual on their servers playing this game, but I've sworn I'm not going to give them any money. I haven't purchased a Blizzard game in a while for that very reason, but but yeah, I think that's all we got as far as uh, these guys being shitty. Um, a less shitty thing, but still kind of eyebrow raising, the folks over at CD Projekt Red, the developer and publisher behind the Witcher series and Cyberpunk 2077, released this slate of all of the new games that they're planning on working on. And this is a company that like kind of famously takes a really long time in between each of their games to work on them. Not not necessarily between like spin-off releases, like you'll get like a Witcher card game or a Witcher RPG thing in between big releases, but uh they announced a bunch of stuff including like two new Witcher spin-offs, both two of which are being like made by third parties and a brand new Witcher trilogy as well as like a sequel to and an expansion to Cyberpunk 2077 in a new IP. Now, I especially wanted to talk about this because I know that a Cyberpunk 2077 anime is on Netflix, and I know that the anime is supposed to be very good, but have you also experienced an influx of Cyberpunk 2077 videos on your TikTok for you page? I've gotten no cyberpunk anime content on my TikTok for you page. Uh-huh. Like since this news was announced, I've seen some stuff in my YouTube recommended where people are kind of bemoaning the fact that that game is dead already now that they've announced the sequel. I think it's gotten like one big update. If I'm and not wrong. And that was the update to like make it playable. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. Of course people kind of hate what rockstar has done with grand theft auto 5 where like i got that game on my xbox 360 and then i got it on my ps4 and now like i kind of want to get it on my xbox series s but i don't know those are both the extremes and i think they're both wrong i know cyberpunk 2077 was supposed to be the first boundary breaking game on yeah. the on the new next gen consoles and it didn't really end up being that yeah. um i know like lots of people got it at first launch and then dropped it mm. because it was bad um i don't know anything about this anime so i want to hear about no, your see, tiktok for you page this is the thing my tiktok for you page is not the anime it's clips of people playing the video game cyberpunk 2077 and i have literally never seen clips of people playing this game before this anime release when this game came out i got clips of people playing it on tiktok okay. but then nothing since then see the clips that i got on tiktok when the game came out were like look at how buggy and glitchy this game is it reminded me of like when a new bethesda game releases and all the videos that you see are like this is me clipping through the ground and then exploding isn't that funny like that was every video and then like this is me making kanye west exactly exact look alike with my exactly. character so like every video I got then of Cyberpunk 2077 was like, I hit this man with a car and then he became 50 feet tall. Whereas now I'm getting like no caption, just a video of a guy killing eight people with a katana in slow motion in first person. And I'm like, are we are we remediating this game already? I feel like like it kind of feels like a lot of people in its fan base kind of want it to be like a No Man's Sky situation where 
it releases and it's ass because it can't run. It's not what it was promised. And, you know, it is what it was promised. They they never, I think a lot of the the hype and the expectation from that game came from like a pretty savvy, if occasionally weirdly transphobic marketing team and like the the interest that people have now and in this and that moment of like cyberpunk as a as a theme as like a genre as a setting and it was never going to live up to the expectation it had but holy shit i think it needs to have a little more work done on it before it gets like a full no man's sky style remediation (laughs) and before it gets a sequel yeah now and now granted like this list of games that they've they've put out like I don't think there's any distinct timeline on it. This is this is stuff that they're going to be working on like for years to come. But mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I think it's crazy to release a game, have it like technically not flop because of how many people pre-ordered it, but still like not be looked generally favorably upon and still like greenlight a sequel and just like all full steam ahead. Like are they going to learn anything from that is what I want to know. No. Yeah, the answer is probably not. <laughs> but the games will be good, I think. I have no doubt that yeah. these games will be good because they take a long time. I think probably a lot of what was wrong with Cyberpunk 2077 is that they were using this new tech and putting yeah. it out on these new systems that people couldn't even get. Yeah. And and they were trying to make it for both new systems and old systems at the same time. And I know that's a big complaint I heard was that like the game was practically unplayable on PS4 mm-hmm. when it launched. And it's like you can't like there are some games that maybe they should have just made console exclusive. And even though since it was so early in the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the new one's called, lifespan and how so few people have it because of the supply chain issues, like it's it's tough to cut yourself off from just a guaranteed supply base of people who already own the consoles but some things just shouldn't be made to run on older hardware and that's okay Mm -hmm. if it's holding back the production and like what the fuck do i know about game development i'm just some fucking guy but it, it does really seem like if the game was practically unplayable on the last gen consoles at launch that like there's some kind of a problem happening there Either way, I agree with you. I think these will probably be good. Like the the Witcher series is like universally good. Mm-hmm. I think it's Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is such like a like a colossal fuck up that I think it kind of sucked all the air out of the room. But like The Witcher three is a game that people fucking adore. So I think like these are probably going to be good, especially if they're outsourcing some of them to like good third party studios. Like I just think it's kind of funny that they were like kind of funny and kind of admirable that they were like here is the full list of things we are currently working on we don't know when some of them are going to come out this is just all the shit we're working on it's like the polar Mm -hmm. opposite of the nintendo strategy of like we're announcing a game and it's out tomorrow and we've been working on it for 10 years and we did not tell anybody it's the mcu model where it's like that's true this is phase 73 yeah you know we're gonna have this spin-off tv show and this movie and blah 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 and they'll exist at some point and i won't go see them uh while we're talking about the mcu can i briefly flash back to something about the mario movie i'm not going to stick this earlier in the podcast i just want to throw this in here um have yes. you seen any of the people who talk about the mario movie with the hope that 
they're eventually going to make a Smash Bros. movie with like Mario and Sonic and Pikachu. Have you seen any of this? No. It's very funny to me. I think I, I've seen some tweets that are like, or like people in <laughs> people in like the chat on like these YouTube videos when they're like doing the trailers and shit, where they're just like, I can't wait for the Smash Bros. movie. And I'm like, what would that, what would that even be, man? Like, <laughs> I, I did catch when I was watching, I didn't watch it live, but I was, uh, I had like the live chat replay up on YouTube when I was watching the Mario trailer. And there's this one comment that went by at the very end of the trailer when Luigi's being chased by monsters and the caption just said, Mario is going to win. And I was like, so real. I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. I think he is. <laughs> That's real AF. Back to the MCU. The TikToks that are like Marvel fans when the hero gets beat up for 90 minutes and wins <laughs> in the end. <laughs> I like the ones that are like uh, Marvel fans when their parents divorce and now they have two homes in the multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Marvel fans when their girlfriend gets a spin-off episode with there another we go. man. There we go. That's classic. That's classic shit. I think the the next thing in our news list here is something about the Dream face reveal. I'm going to have to let you take the lead on this. I don't know who Dream is. I hate that I have to take the lead on this because I don't know anything about Dream. Okay. But here I go. Buckle up. <laughs> Dream apparently is a Minecraft YouTuber. Okay. Okay. He has almost 31 million subs. That's nuts. And his videos get a lot of views. I'm looking right now. His video before the face reveal got 22 million views, and it was mm. posted two months ago. Jesus. His face reveal video is at 34 mil in four days. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, whoever this guy is, kids probably like him or something. I've never heard of him. This, so, is, this is purely a news item to appeal to our Gen Z listeners. <laughs> yes. And so if I'm being honest, I have not watched the Dream Face Reveal. Okay. I watched Flight Reacts to the Dream Face Reveal. Do okay. you know who Flight Reacts is? I do not. You're losing then. Okay. FTC, <laughs> flight team stand up. <laughs> My fuck? real ones listening right now know what I'm talking about, know about FTC know about flight flight is this youtuber and his whole joke is that he pretends to be really dumb okay he's really into the nba he plays 2k he got really into fall guys when that was a thing and so he, you probably have seen flight content and not known that it's him yeah but he was the guy who was like playing fall guys and then smashing his controller okay <laughs> And like my joke with my friends, our friends that I play Fall Guys with is in all the flight videos, he would play Fall Guys and his friends would make it to the next round and mm. he wouldn't. And so he'd be like, okay, quit to lobby, quit to lobby on his streams. <laughs> and so he streams, he makes YouTube videos. Um, I don't really go to flight much for video game content. Mm -hmm. Flight likes to react to after every NBA game, the NBA YouTube account will post like a 10 minute video of all the points scored. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the highlights from a game and flight will react to them and he will pronounce as many of the players names incorrectly that he can. And like something crazy will happen and he'll be like, that's my type of shot. That's my type of pass. <laughs> and so flight is just hilarious. You should look into flight. Everyone yeah. who doesn't know about flight should look into him. 
So I watched Flight Reacts to the Dream face reveal mm-hmm. with my girlfriend. Okay. And um, I don't know. I had seen he was trending on Twitter, and there were lots of memes about him, how he looks like Shane Dawson. Uh, his face is kind of crooked for the whole video, and he's like sticking his chin out. Mm-hmm. And so there are lots of jokes about his chin. The video is really, really weird, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. because he's like, the reason I'm showing my face is because I want to become a person. I have no friends, and my online friends don't know what I look like or my real name. And I mm-hmm. decided that I want to have friends. And it's like, this is bizarro as fuck. It's just like, he lives in his Minecraft dungeon, I guess. and. Jeez. has decided he was ready to come out at the ripe age of whatever age he is. And um, I don't know. It, he showed his face. It was super trending on Twitter. Yeah. Lots of memes, lots of TikToks. The content was funny, even though I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. I watched the video. I've since stopped thinking about it. What has been your experience with the dream content as someone who also didn't know who Dream was, but you didn't seek him out, right? No, I didn't. I just, like, got some people talking about this on, like, various feeds of mine. My, like, everything I know about Dream, I learned from, like, briefly skimming an article on Polygon when I saw you put this on the on the thing. And the main takeaway from the article was that, was this sentence, which reads, Dream launched his own channel in 2014, but it took off roughly three years ago after he launched a video about trying to find PewDiePie's Minecraft seed, which I just thought was really funny because I think, like, for anybody who doesn't know anything about Minecraft, like, the idea of, you know, he's trying to find his his seed in Minecraft is just, like, really funny. That's all I got. (laughs) There's been content I've been seeing on TikTok recently where people are like making fun of the fact that he's getting made fun of for mm-hmm. what he looks like because he just looks like any other he white just dude. looks like yeah he just looks like a, a young white man like yeah yeah i don't understand i don't understand why he's being made fun of i don't understand why this is such an enormous deal i mean like i get that there is some degree of it being a big deal because he like never shows his face and shit but like yeah i don't know why people are making fun of him i'm scrolling youtube right now i search dream and this video has 282,000 views. It was posted three days ago, and it's mm. called Dream Faked His Face Reveal. <laughs> and then in parentheses, proof in all caps, just the word proof. So I need to, that's getting added to the watch later. How long until the Dream Face Reveal is fake gets added to the canon of like QAnon related conspiracy theories? It's gonna be it like, should. Yeah, it's like it dream, Dream's face, Dream revealed his face using false fake tech, fake face technology of the same kind that like jfk jr is using to yes. uh play trump on stage that kind of thing yes yeah until just circles 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 until it's jews absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely even if it doesn't start with jews it's got to be circles within circles until you get to jews somehow yeah not that many circles Honestly. I opened I opened up twitter the other day and I saw that one of the trending topics was just the words the jews and I was like, I love to be on Twitter.com. Lo- love to be on Twitter.com. That can only mm-hmm. be. And then like you click on that kind of thing. And you know how everything when something's tw- trending on Twitter is just like people talking about why it's trending on Twitter. Just like, why is this trending? That's crazy. And it's like, maybe this app isn't good. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't spend so much time on this app. I just saw this TikTok and it was a clip from an episode of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And it's like Jerry is on a date 
And I don't remember what group of people Jerry was talking about, but it's like classic Seinfeld comedy where he's like, this group of people is the worst, mm -hmm. right? And it's it's something random. It's not like a race or a class. It's like people who clap at the end of a airplane flight yeah. are the worst. And so whatever he said, the girl he's on a date with is like, yeah, they are the worst. And so are Jews and the blacks. <laughs> It's like, damn, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Y'all are tweaking. Seinfeld still goes hard. I'll die on that it hill. It does. I'll absolutely die on that hill. I think that's all we have as far as gaming news. Before yeah. we before we segue into what we're playing, I've been waiting to like soft launch this new uh this new segment that I've been working on. And I figured what better time? It's kind of a bummer that that Tori is off in like the Alps or wherever the fuck she is and can't be also here to celebrate this, but the podcast is like roughly one year old as of today. I checked, I got an email from like the hosting page that we use. It was like, your podcast turns one year old. And I checked and the week this comes out will be almost a year to date. So one year, 43 episodes, which means we skipped like nine, but who's counting? And uh, yeah, I just think it's really neat. I've, we've crested 800 individual listens which is like really, really cool. And like, I don't know, it's, it's very cool to have like a creative outlet like this and just something fun to do with friends. And I'm looking forward to continuing to do this. And Nathaniel, I'm glad we've, we've brought you into this fold now as well. Yes. And my birthday is next week. Yeah. And so it just all ties in. It's all, it's, it's just all, all about me. It's all about you. So I'm I'm sure we'll talk about this more when Tori's back next week too. But uh in the meantime, I've been meaning I've been wanting to soft launch this new segment that is gonna be like an intermediary when we have it in between segments of us talking about gaming news. Before we talk about the stuff that we've been playing, I'm gonna jump right in here to uh, a little bit of break from us talking. Hi, I'm Kanoa Ichianagi, also known as Shaki Onigiri or Shake Onigiri. And I'm a performer composer. I do film and game scores, and I also play instruments like violin, viola, koto, and singing. It's really super hard to choose one favorite game, so I'm just going to talk about some of the games that influence me the most. Um, I think the Animal Crossing series, uh, especially the older games like Wild World and City Folk, those soundtracks were a really big reason on why I wanted to start composing and compose for media like film and games. I just love the soundtrack so much. It never gets old to me and um, you could definitely hear the influence in my own music. Some other soundtracks that really inspire me are from the game A Short Hike, which was composed by Mark Sparling. It's a really nice kind of acoustic blended with synths soundtrack that fits really well with the visuals and the story and just the general style of the game and it's also just one of my favorite indie games out there. Um, another one that I really like is Pikuniku which was composed by Callum Bowen or Bowen who's one of my favorite artists. Um, his sound is so fun and unique and it's made for a fun and unique game. A couple more games that really inspire me are Stardew Valley, developed by Eric Brown, and um, Undertale, developed by Toby Fox. 
I really look up to those developers because they did everything by themselves for the game. They did the programming, writing, art, music, and um, that's kind of my dream to do that someday too. And I know it's a lot of work, but that's why these games are so inspiring because it's so well made and every aspect of the game is so well made. And um, I hope to put something like that out there someday too. Yeah, so those are all the games and soundtracks that inspire me the most. And we're back. Uh, Nathaniel, what have you been playing this week? Okay. This week has admittedly been an, a not a lot of hours spent gaming week, but I still have managed to play a handful of different games. So Elden Ring, still grinding. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I don't think I said this last week, but I'm a samurai build. Okay. Okay. And so I think I'm at or around level 30. I might be a 29. I've probably got like 10 to 12 hours logged in the game. Shit. I beat a couple bosses. I think I've leveled up my katana to like plus four already. Okay. Um, I, the thing with Elden Ring is I'm at the point with it where I don't want to do anything else in my life mm-hmm. except play Elden Ring, yes. which is part of the reason that I didn't buy this game when it came out. Because I looked at Elden Ring and I thought, this game is a single-player game. It's really hard. It's like not too pointed direction-wise. So I'm either going to buy this game and it's going to suck me all the way in, mm-hmm. or I'm going to play it once and never touch it again, which yeah. is why I did not buy it at launch. That's why I was really interested when you said you got this because you needed like a you needed something similar to Jedi Fallen Order. Because I remember when you got Jedi Fallen Order like several years ago now, and you told me you just like bounced off of it hard. So I was kind of interested, like the fact that you you came back to that, played it all the way through, and wanted more of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend, I think, hates Elden Ring. Okay. Um, the music is dreary. The game is dark and gloomy. It's just me. She thinks it's funny when I die. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. But like, I will reach to put it on and she'll be like, yeah, why don't you just go play Elden Ring then? That's since that's all you want to do. Damn. And like, she's joking, but also I'm pretty sure that she hates it. Yeah. And so... 
whatever. I'm enjoying it. Got to play it when she's at work. Got to. That's when the grind is taking place. Mm, those, that's the um, real gamer gamer man hours. Exactly. Honestly, the real gamer man hours. We might just have to break up Damn. so I can get those and then Damn. finish Elden Ring and then we get back together, right? <laughs> real gamers got to be single. I have to take a vow of celibacy until I'm done with Elden Ring. <laughs> it's necessary. Real grinders. There are people out here listening and nodding yeah. right now. Yeah. You got you to gotta be committed to the bit. You got to absolutely yeah. be committed to the bit. So another game. My girlfriend and I started playing It Takes Two, mm-hmm. which I think is one that Tori talked yeah. episodes ago about her and Jesse playing it. Yeah, she told me her and Jesse played it, and she's been trying to get me to play it, and like has said that it's something that like me and my girlfriend might enjoy playing. But I'm under the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it about like like a, a relationship that's on the rocks that they're having to like mend so they don't divorce or something? Like... They are the characters of It Takes Two are not interested in mending. Oh, okay. Like they have decided they're getting a divorce. Yeah. And their daughter enlists Antonio Banderas to have them not get a divorce. Okay. So we've been playing it. We were having a good time. My girlfriend does not like the amount of times that I joke. I say, like, I'm so glad we're playing this game because we need this help. <laughs> We need this for our relationship to survive. And she doesn't think that's funny. But we played it like we we played it for one night for a few hours, I think last weekend. Mm-hmm. And we'll go back to it because it was a good time. Yeah. It's not super hard, but it's not super easy mm-hmm. either. So like it's cool because she's not really a gamer. She plays Fortnite, but she's not like a grinder yeah. of any video games. But it's like something that is easy enough for her to enjoy it and then hard enough for me to enjoy it. And I think that's really cool. So shout out to It Takes Two. We need to keep chipping away at it. Yeah. I'm curious to hear more about like when you get deeper into that game and also if it does like successfully mend this this relationship with your girlfriend that's broken because of Elden Ring. That's totally weird. (laughs) That's where the game is going and that's where my life is going. Yeah. Definitely. All signs pointing up. Yeah. After we get back together, after I beat Elden Ring. There you go. Um, I bought a game this morning at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked last week about how I have time in between my newscasts where I can play my Switch if I'm awake enough. And today I was checking my email and I got an email from Nintendo that a game in my wish list had gone on sale. So this morning I used my phone as a hotspot to download Negative Nancy mm-hmm. onto my Switch. I don't know if you know about Negative Nancy, Mm-mm. but it is, it's kind of a visual novel, but it's also kind of a choose your own adventure. And so it's a first person game where you are, I've only played the first chapter and so I don't know if your job changes in each chapter, but in the first chapter you are a worker at like a Walmart clone. Okay. And so the, you only have two options in that game. There's a timer after every time someone says something to you, and you can either say no to what they said, or you can just be silent. But like the only communication you can make to get you through the game is by saying no. Hmm. And so it's like customer, it starts with a customer coming up to you, and she says, I want to return this gift card. And you be silent or say no. And she's like, I bought it seven years ago. And Mm -hmm. they told me it's expired and I can't use it. So I have to return it 
so I can buy more gift cards. And you can choose to fight with these people or just let it rock. Like when I was playing, I got attacked by a possum inside okay. of the Walmart. I made my girlfriend play it before she went to work today. And she got held up in a robbery, which when the robbery happened to me, spoiler alert, by the way, skip ahead if you don't want negative Nancy spoilers, but I yeah. think we're fine. Don't t- tag, um, tag the negative Nancy spoilers. Yeah. Um, the When the robbers came for me, I was like, yeah, take all the money in the register. I'm a worker at Walmart. This isn't my money. But she fought them and she got shot by the robber. Whoa. And so, Yeah. And so either way, you end up waking up in the hospital and the doctor is like, we talked to your boss and he said that you were slacking at work and then got attacked. And then your boss is there in the hospital and he's like, since we are a n- neurological capacity diverse workplace you can come back to work right now and it's just like the game is really funny it's really like anti-corporation it's pro union in really cool ways it's like six dollars on the switch store right Mm. now i would recommend it if people just want like a little time waster that they're gonna play through a few different times there it's like the type of game where there are multiple endings for each chapter and so you get a different milestone or trophy or whatever at the end of each one and then oh do you have something no i was going to ask speaking of games that are that are anti-capitalist um have you played any more disco elysium since we last i have not i have not played any more disco elysium gotcha that game is like the first game ever in my life do you ever get the feeling where when you're not super tired and you start reading a book and you get really tired yes absolutely Disco Elysium puts me to sleep and I love it. I think it's great and I'm excited to continue moving through it. Maybe it's because of the amount of reading that happens in that game. Mm -hmm. I definitely, before I bought it, I watched before you buy videos and people are like, get your reading glasses out, Mm -hmm. get a, get a cup of tea because you are going to be reading Mm -hmm. a lot and you definitely are. It makes me sleepy. So I can't really play it at work because I'll fall asleep. Yeah. Um, and then the last game is Fortnite. Fortnite they brought baby. back, they brought back grapple gloves. Yeah, I had been asking for this. I'm so glad swinging around, because once they got rid of the Nimbus Cloud and the grapple glove, it made the movement way stunted. You were back to just like, driving trucks. Yeah, and I don't really like to drive, so it's mainly foot movement for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that the grapple glove is back. I played two solo games today and I won one. Damn, hell yeah. that's sick. Uh, And that's what I'm playing this week. Always Fortnite. Always Fortnite. I got got one that I'm playing that I don't feel great about, but we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. Um, I am playing Overwatch 2. A lot of people aren't playing Overwatch 2, though. Because the game's servers are apparently incredibly fucking flimsy and have been under constant DDoS attack for the past, like, three days since the game launched on October 4th. And so anytime you try to boot it up, it says there's, like, 20,000 people in the queue in front of you. The video game Donkey video mm-hmm. about Overwatch 2 is so funny. Oh, I haven't watched this. I need to check it out. He- 
he boots it up and there are 20,000 people in front of him. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if he's joking about the amount of time that has lapsed Mm -hmm. for it to go down. And he probably is. But there's a like such a high level of waiting that he's only joking somewhat. And so you see it go from 20,000 to 10,000, nine, eight, seven, Mm -hmm. six, and it gets down to like 700 or something. And then it says error. And he has to reboot it, and he goes up to 30,000. Oh, my God. And it's God. like, for me, I know people playing this game. I downloaded it today when I got home from work. I mm-hmm. said, I'll play a couple games before I have to go back to campus. And I just sat in the loading screen. Yeah. And then I came back to it after I got back from campus, and I just sat in the loading screen. So maybe if I can stay up late enough tonight, I can run some Overwatch too. But I'm one of those people who has it downloaded has tried to play it multiple times, yeah. and has not gotten close. I have only successfully made it in in a quick manner in, like, weird fucking times. Like, uh, I didn't even know that this game was going to be free to play. It just, like, random. I saw a random tweet about it that was like, oh boy, can't wait to go download Overwatch 2 and see what the battle pass looks like. And I was like, what the fuck? And so that was the day it launched. So, like, I... I queued it up to download when I left for work, and then when I came home, it was done. I then tried to boot it up, and it was it was impossible to load. So the next day, I went for it, or I think this was the same day, actually. I, um, I booted it up to mess with it a little bit, and it was like 4 p.m. EST. Like, I had worked a really long day the day before, so I cut out of work a little early, and I booted it up. And I got in, I got in relatively quick. The next day, so today, playing it, today when we're recording, I had to get up like super, super early this morning. And so I booted up Overwatch 2 this morning at 6.30 a.m. EST. I got right fucking in. Barely anyway. Even, and I still got a message at the beginning that was like 500 people ahead of you. But it was only 500 and not 20,000. Um, I got home from work this evening. I, I got home. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to do a few other things. I booted up Overwatch 2. It told me that there were 10,000 people in front of me. I let it sit. I went and folded my laundry. I made myself dinner. I ate that dinner. I hung out for a little bit. I went and watched some TikToks on the couch. I read some stuff on my phone. And it it took a full 30 minutes to allow me in. Like, it... That's I don't a know. lot you got done in 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. I, I really... Well, maybe it, was, maybe it was closer to 45 then, honestly. Like, it's, it's nuts how hard. And then other elements to this, too. Um... It desperately needs server maintenance that it might get between now and like when this episode goes out because I think there's scheduled server maintenance tonight when we're reading this, when we're, reading this, when we're recording this, which means I probably won't be able to play anymore before I go to bed tonight. And um, there's currently an issue with it, and I don't know if this is something that's going to be patched out or if this is just an eternal issue with it, where when you boot up the game, it requires that you match... Well, maybe it doesn't require, but it it seems like it requires that you launch it to launch it and connect it with a Battle.net account. And Battle.net is like the unified thing that Blizzard uses for like World of Warcraft, Starcraft, all these things. They've used it for years and they're like really trying to push it in their newer stuff too. So it requires that you launch with your Battle.net account and then you get prompted to enter in your phone number. And I I gather that this is like for two-factor authentication in case somebody tries to like hack you and steal your battle pass or whatever it's also probably for data collection purposes like make a little money off the top what's up i have a friend who is a overwatch grinder okay he told me i talked to him today as i was leaving campus 
he did the open and closed betas of the original Overwatch. Whoa. He played it. He played Overwatch for like a lot of the time that it was out. Like he's a he's an Overwatch grinder and truther. Yeah. Um. Take that. Take that as you will. That's good. But he was telling me today that Blizzard has always asked for phone numbers. Really. With Overwatch, yes. And that instead of something that's being phased in, it's actually something that's being phased out huh. because it is it's restricting like their play base. Yeah. And so he was telling me today that it used to be a thing where you needed a phone number. It had to be a phone number that was not used on any other account and it could not be a prepaid phone number. Yeah. And so like people who had cricket could not yeah. play Overwatch, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And so... I he was telling me that how it's working with Overwatch 2 they've actually changed it is that people who have had those accounts for a long time over a year don't need to put in a phone number huh. anymore and people who are their account their Blizzard account is under a year old need to use a phone number and so Wild. it's still in some ways limiting yeah. but apparently they're trying to fix it somewhat I really hope they do because like it, it you know it's not just people who were on like like cricket wireless it's on it's for people who like can't afford a regular at&t bill so they have something like that it's for i saw somebody point out that like you know people who are people who are in the u.s on visas like temporary visas and aren't able to apply for a phone line on one of the major companies and are using a prepaid phone and like sure you could make the argument that this is like not a ton of people but like it still sucks and it still feels like there is a class element to this. It's totally classes. It absolutely is. And it's like there's I don't really see any reason for it. And it's interesting if it's an old feature that it's like a vestige of like the fact that Battle.net has existed since like the original StarCraft, maybe even earlier. Like this is not new infrastructure. So it's it's that's really interesting. I didn't realize that. And it's interesting that they didn't scrap it completely. Yeah. Because the idea of, on one hand, retaining exclusivity, and on the other hand, moving your game to free to play. Yeah. Those are in combat. Like, those yeah. things don't go together. And so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, so Overwatch 2, what's new? It is functionally just Overwatch 1. I've seen some people describe it as Overwatch 1.5, and I think that's about, like, the best descriptor imaginable. Like, when this was first announced, it was made fun of mercilessly because it literally just looked like it could be an update for Overwatch 1. And rightfully so. Like, the big thing they were pushing at the time when Overwatch 2 was first announced was that it was going to have, like, a single-player campaign, which was something that was seriously missing out in the original Overwatch, it was purely multiplayer, and lo and behold, Overwatch 2 has launched as a free-to-play game, and there is no single-player content. So, like, maybe that'll come down the road, maybe that'll come in the form of a paid thing, I don't know. As of right now, it was also, when it was initially announced, said that this was going to, like, allow people who had Overwatch 1 to play with people who had Overwatch 2. They were really trying not to, like, create walled gardens of their communities of, like, this huge community of people who played Overwatch 1, they did not want to cut them off and make them buy a new game because it was people who were like pouring money into loot boxes. 
and instead they shut down Overwatch 1. It is completely dead. The servers are all turned off. I saw this very weird and poignant TikTok of like these people playing a game of like capture the base, but everybody was just sitting on the base in overtime at the end, not shooting each other, just doing dance emotes like while the servers were shutting down. It reminds me so much of like, I don't know, when like Club Penguin shut down, like when the Matrix Online shut down, like these videos of people riding out these MMOs to like the very, very end. Um, and like, okay, so that's all that. I did also see a TikTok of somebody who works at a GameStop and they got a memo. I can't fact check this because I don't know anybody who works at GameStop. Maybe by the time I'm editing this, there'll be an article about it. But this TikTok showed that an email that GameStop workers got from corporate that was like, please destroy every copy of Overwatch 1 now. <laughs> so, uh, Game Preservation 0, Activision Blizzard 1. This game... Sorry, were you going to say something? They changed the multiplayer from, like, six players to five. Yes. Right? Yes. Is something that's different? That's like one How of the... How did that feel? Honestly, I barely even noticed it. I think the... The only thing that it is sort of interesting, I've heard some people complain that it's like less tactical. I think it is sort of interesting that it's like in the in the 6v6, like it's six, six on six generally, and there's three character types. It's tank, DPS, and support. So ideally, a team would have two tanks, two DPS, and two support, whereas now there's like a little, since it's an odd number, there's like a little more variance you can have. So it's like some of the teams will have one support and some will have two. Some of the supports are more closer to DPS characters anyway. Some of the tanks are closer to support characters, that kind of thing. I think that's interesting. Overall, I mean, like I haven't, I've probably played like 20 games based on like what I've unlocked and I have not really noticed any kind of a huge difference. Graphically, I've barely noticed any kind of a difference. Like if anything, I think something that drew me to the original Overwatch, which I played a lot of when we were in college because my one roommate who had a PS4 owned a copy of it, and like I just got really into playing it. I thought it was really cool. I I was like always kind of a fan of that like Blizzard house style. I really like the the cartoony mixed with like the sort of realistic that Blizzard has always done. I think that's cool. But Blizzard had kind of made the original Overwatch to feel in a way like Smash Brothers. And I think that's more of like the MOBA DNA. I just like don't know a lot about MOBAs, but like it felt like all of these super distinct characters, both in terms of like design, gameplay, uh, the, the one of the whole things was that they were all different nationalities. Then of course it comes out later that Blizzard had created what was it, their their um fuck i can't think of the word it was the inclusivity matrix or something like that that was like this is we have to make characters super super diverse it was the diversity matrix we have to make characters super super diverse so that we have to check so many boxes where it's like okay she's japanese and she's also old okay diversity uh, diversity space method there we go um i did see a meme that said they they created a whole diversity method for making their characters diverse, and yet every Japanese character is a ninja. <laughs> That's real. It's true. Um, but all all around Overwatch Two is just like more Overwatch, which like is 
good because Overwatch is fun and it's an itch I haven't scratched in a long time. I think like it's probably been like five years since I was regularly playing Overwatch. So it's like fun to dip back into it. The the servers fucking suck. And also since I do not own Overwatch 1, like it's not attached to my PSN name, I have had to unlock the characters as I go. It like starts you with a starter roster. And then as you play games, you unlock characters, which is horrible. I'm jumping into these games like I want to play as D.Va. I want to play as May. I want to play as like Junkrat, like the characters I was good at playing in Overwatch 1. And I they're blocked from me. So I've like started unlocking them. It's it's fine. I don't know. I have such a different experience with Overwatch. Yeah. Because it was a game that I had heard people talk about a lot when I was in college, but mm-hmm. I never got because I didn't want to pay for it. Yeah. And so I got Overwatch when it went really, really, really on sale during 2020. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started playing it for the first time. And for me, I remember like when me and all my friends got into Overwatch at the same time because we all got it for the first time. Nice. And the thing about Overwatch to me, was the community was so toxic yeah and and i wasn't good enough at the game to be willing to deal yeah with all of the negativity that came with playing it so i just stopped playing mm-hmm. it and i my friends would want to get on it and i would be like no hit me up if you want to play apex later yeah and the thing about overwatch is in lots of these fighting games you can turn off the team chat mm-hmm. and it doesn't really affect the play of the game. But the need for the team chat is built into Overwatch in yeah. a way that I think is really cool mm-hmm. in theory, but really lends itself to bullying. Yeah. And so that was my like Overwatch story is I got it really late. I played it not a lot. Mm-hmm. I had fun with the gameplay. And I hated the community yeah. and just stopped playing it. Yeah, I, I was playing it more when like regular updates were still coming. And I think regular updates were probably still coming when you were playing it too, but it was a little earlier. And this is probably like 2017, 2018. And I I had a lot of fun with it. I like the loot boxes always felt scummy. And like rightfully so. They they have been outlawed in several countries now for being scummy. But I don't think the battle pass thing that they have switched to, to kind of be more in line with your Apexes, your Fortnites, is any less scummy. Like, they have completely done away with loot boxes. Loot boxes used to be like a literal button on the main menu. It's gone now. Now it's the battle pass. And it's the same exact thing that every other game like this has. You have the paid battle pass and the free battle pass. And you can unlock all of the same cosmetic stuff that was in the loot boxes. And like, I can't believe that I'm looking back at this fondly at all because I'm not. It was not a good thing, but at least (laughs) I feel so gross saying this. At least the stuff that was in the loot boxes was purely cosmetic, right? And like there was always an element of exclusion to that because the idea was that You know, you'd see people playing with the cool Lucio skin, and then you would want to buy a hundred loot boxes until you got the cool Lucio skin. And that's bad. That's scummy. But I don't think it is any less scummy to lock all of these cool costumes and all of these emotes and this kind of stuff behind these seasonal battle passes that, oh, well, you know, you're going so slow. Wouldn't you like to 
spend $30 and you can get the full thing. Like, and now they have locked a character behind the battle pass too. So it's like they're it, a la Apex, they're going to roll out new characters. But instead of those characters just being, you know, spend X amount of currency and you can get them. Granted, it's premium currency that you're going to get really, really slowly, naturally, or you can just buy it with USD. This time it's like, you have to buy the battle pass if you want to unlock our cool new ninja. And it just feels fucking gross. It's like for, for a game that had legal action pursued against it because of its gross practices. How did they just switch to something equally gross? Yeah, I'm, I'm not out on Overwatch 2 yet mm -hmm. because I'm interested in playing it. And yeah. I know the changes are little. And apparently a PvE mode is coming. A single player mode is coming. Nice. And I think that's interesting and could be cool. But who knows if that's going to be just like Fortnite. Yeah. Where it's like a, a PvE mode that no one ever plays because yeah. you have to buy it in a free game. And yeah. so, I don't know. I'm interested in Overwatch 2, mm -hmm. but it's kind of, I'm, I'm into it in the way where like when Star Wars Battlefront 2 came out, and people are like, it's all microtransactions. Mm. And I was like, but it's Star Wars and I want to play. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I didn't buy it, but this is free. Yeah. So I'll play it, you know. I think one of the things I had started to aim at before was that like, you know, the original felt so interesting because it it did something that a lot of shooters had never done. It like it did like what TF2 did on the PC and just like went fully crazy with it, which was that every single player character you could play as had super distinct skills. So much so that like your ability to play as Soldier 76 might not carry over pretty much at all to your ability to play like Mercy. And that's cool. That's like a really interesting way to design a game. And I think it says a lot about like how tight the mechanics that you've created are that you can have so many disparate character types still work but it it kind of feels like they've sanded some of those edges off and i know that's not just an overwatch 2 thing that's like a a years upon years of updates and tweaking characters because like i just remember reading about some of that stuff when it was happening but it does feel like everything from the art style to the characters like kits have kind of had their rough edges sanded off all for like a Everything has to be the meta. Everything has to be like perfectly balanced. And, you know, sometimes it's okay if stuff isn't 100% balanced. But if you want it to be an esport, I guess it has to be balanced. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I think my consensus so far is like I'm going to keep playing it for a bit. Overwatch is fun, but like fuck Blizzard and fuck these practices. And I wish it didn't feel so gross, but I've made a. I've made like your vow of celibacy a vow to never give Blizzard money. So I just will not spend any money on this. The best thing that came out of the first Overwatch game was the song No Mercy by the Living Tombstone. I think that's that's yeah. a consensus. Is, Everyone knows that. Is that the one from the TikTok that was like Nerf yes. Bastion? That one? Yes. Yeah. And so hopefully with the release of the game, all that means is that uh, the Living Tombstone will give us another Overwatch song. God, fingers crossed. Yeah, they even have new characters. Be like, I'll be Junker Queen. Yep. I'm already Junker Queen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, The main other thing that I played a bit of this week, I got like 80% of the way through a really lengthy demo for kind of uh, not dissimilar from the one game you mentioned. This is like a uh, 
sort of choose your own adventure sort of visual novel called Road Warden. This is currently on PC. I think I shouted this out as something I was like interested in checking out in a previous episode because I saw a former guest on the show, Emily Price, shouted out as something that she was really interested in. It reminds me a lot of Citizen Sleeper, which is a game that I sunk like a lot of time into earlier this year as like a a visual novel that also has like tabletop RPG elements where you're doing like skill checks and you're you're making choices that it feels like impact your character creation. But this has like a really cool fantasy bend to it. And one, the demo is available on Steam super, super long. And two, I think something that I really enjoyed about it so far so not to keep comparing it to Citizen Sleeper, but that's like something that I've shouted out and I'd be willing to wager that like a chunk of the demographic of people who listen to this probably played. The at the beginning of Citizen Sleeper, you get the choice between three different like quote unquote classes. And it's like character archetypes, basically. And they give you like a couple of little skill buffs here and there. By the end of the game though, you have leveled up so many of your skills that it doesn't really super matter. And even earlier on, it didn't really super matter which skills you had buffs in. Like, there was ways to work around it. There was other things to do. It never really felt like a huge thing. In this game, it has you pick, like, an RPG class for your character at the beginning. So you are you are this character. You're the Road Warden. You're you're an individual who's... It, it's kind of like the Witcher, almost. It's like you're, you're a kind of, like, like proto... I don't even know what you're like a sheriff basically riding from like settlement to settlement going like hey guys I got a big axe got any monsters that need to be killed are you feeling okay and they're like yeah we're good or here's a fetch quest go do that and then you like protect the area and that kind of thing but at the beginning you're prompted with this question when you're talking to another NPC where they're like so tell me a bit about yourself and you get asked whether you're like what class you are and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head but there was like soldier and there was mage, and there was like a couple others, but so like I picked mage for the demo. And so then when I was getting into situations later, I was getting questions asked that were like totally unique to the fact that I was a mage, because as a mage, I had like a mana reserve that I would not have gotten as some of the other classes. So it was like, I, I came across a group of wild animals, and it was like, uh, do you want to try to scare the animals? Do you want to try to run past them? And then there was another option that was like, for a 100% guaranteed rate of success, but you expend one of your five mana, you can scare the animals off with a, a spell. And that, like, that's really cool. That to me, because, like, that showed me that there's going to be, like, also trade-offs for that kind of class and that kind of thing. That was really cool. I'm also really interested in the fact that, like, it reminds me sort of of like old text-based adventure games. I don't know if you ever played any like text-based adventure games, like your Zorks mm -hmm. or like that kind of thing. A, a big hallmark of those early games, like the engine they were built in, some of them was like you would like travel by just typing cardinal directions in. So you'd go like north and then it would be like, you're in this room to a point where like you could kind of map out mentally or on paper like, okay, if I went north three, that's this room, and then west, that's the forest, and that kind of thing. This game, you go to an inn, somebody says, there's a bandit encampment out west, it'd be really cool if you go take out the bandits, and you're like, sure thing. But it doesn't just, like, add a marker to your map. You have to make note of that, you also have an in-game journal that keeps things, and when you get to the map, it just has cardinal directions. And it's like, it shows where you've been, and then it's like, so, do you want to go east or west? What's next? 
And I, I thought that was really cool. I think it really lends to like feeling like you're a character that is on an adventure. And that seems super, super cool. So I, I need to finish the demo before I even consider purchasing this, but I'm probably going to pick this mm-hmm. up. It's only like 10 or 11 bucks. It's available on Steam and Itch. It's, I don't know, I, I really am loving. It's got a super cool like minimalist art style, but it's got this really cool like, I don't know, as you explore areas more of this medieval scenery comes into view like yeah it's it's really really cool i like it a lot yeah that sounds cool i think that's about everything i was playing though i I don't want to say i was light on games but that was that was kind of i feel like overwatch 2 once i was actually able to log in ate up a good bit of my time uh one Mm -hmm. more shout out i did make it to disc three of shenmue so i i don't have a ton to say about shenmue yet but I did make it to disc three. I'm trucking through. I've made it to the point in the game where I have to get a minimum wage job. So I'll I'll share more about that when I make a little further in. So I'm not talking about it too much back to back. But yeah, I kind of think that's uh that's where we're at. Anything else you want to add or? Yes, actually. Yes, please. Going back a second time to the Mario trailer. Yeah, let's just jump back. Let's go. For anybody who watched the trailer and didn't watch the Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm watch it yes because chris pratt speaks at some point he's through a zoom whatever the quality's not great it's him talking to camera mm. and he is talking like every word he says he has no idea what the next <laughs> word is gonna be out of his mouth there are strange pauses mm-hmm. there are weird emphases and the best part is he's talking about what an honor it is to play mario Uh and at one point he says i've spent my entire life leading to to this point yeah and it's just like and he goes i've spent hours of my life stomping koopas (laughs) and he says it just like that and it's crazy (laughs) he is like looking around the room he's talking with weird pauses watch his interview from the nintendo direct my favorite part of that was towards the end where he was like and you know every hero needs a villain and who who better for mario than king koopa bowser and then he's like he's got like his eyes maybe he got like really into speed to help him develop the mario voice but but he was also like bowser is such a great villain for mario (laughs) And my villain, he's such a scene stealer. It's Jack Black. And Jack Black comes on and speaks, and it's like, oh, this is how human beings act, actually. Chris Pratt took me out of actual normal human being behavior for these two minutes that he talked. Jack Black comes on and he's like, hey, guys, uh, really happy to be a part of this movie. It was awesome. (laughs) It's like, oh, thank God, someone fucking normal. Yeah, after like Chris Pratt's pupils are taking up his whole eyes and he's like, king of the Koopas. It reminds me of like, you ever see those videos of like a Donald Trump Jr. that he shares on Facebook when he's like so clearly coked out of his mind and he's like talking about how cool his dad is. You ever see these? Some Somehow, no. Oh, they're so funny. He gets on like Facebook or like social media and is just like, I can't believe that people are doing this. And he's like gesturing really wildly with his hands and like moving really erratically. And it's like, of course, like resistance libs want to carry on in the comments, like uh, do drugs much and that kind of thing. But it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, even if he's not on drugs, like normal human beings don't move or act like that. Mm-hmm. 
Love that. Absolutely love that. Nathaniel, where can people find you on Twitter talking about the new Mario movie? People can find me on twitter.com at NathanBased. I'm on twitter.com at Noah underscore Hertz. Uh, Tori, who is not with us this week, is on Twitter at Tori underscore as underscore always. She'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to, I don't know, just like figure out how to do the show and figure out what that looks like going forward. So we'll we'll kind of have fun with it. One final note, okay? Yeah, is this My about first the Mario episode. Movie? No, I wish. My first episode was last week. The reviews are in. I didn't mention this up top. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend says, I said the word like too much. Yeah. And our friend Kali... Shout out, Kali. Shout out, Kali. Said he got in trouble. I don't know if he was at work. He didn't say. He said he got in trouble because he was laughing out loud so much listening to us on the podcast. Damn. So, gr- girlfriend negative review, best friend positive review. They, yeah. Who do we trust? Do you know? Yeah. The person that we have to leave to be Elden Ring? <laughs> you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, press underscore start pod. You can tweet at us and let us know who you would vote off the island of of the uh, people who have hosted this show. You can also email us at heypressstart at gmail.com, like about who your favorite Overwatch character is, or like, I don't know if you've ever watched Overwatch porn before or not. I have not, but I'm under the impression that there's a lot of it. Yeah, you're shaking your head. I, you, I know you know. I bet there is. I was shaking my head no yeah. at first when you said you've never watched it, and then I was shaking my head. Yes, for the listeners, when he said he bet he bets that there's yeah. a lot of it. There we go. There we go. I am not saying I'm not a frequenter of Rule Thirty Four, <laughs> but I don't look up Overwatch stuff. There we and go. There we go. This episode needs to end. <laughs> this episode needs to end. Thank you to the artist Geist for our music at the top and bottom of the episode. You can listen to more of their stuff at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. Thank you to Kai at Wisp Graphics for our logo. Thank you to the artist Shake Onigiri for the music stinger in the middle there. If you are an artist and you like video games, please email us or reach out or reach out to somebody and talk to us. And uh, we'd love to get you get you featured on the show as well. So I think that's everything. If I forgot something, it's it's for the best because we need to get off of this podcast so honestly get this mic out of my face get it out of here thank you for listening go play some video games 